Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. If you would like to see this episode along with other exclusive content, make sure you become a patron by going to our Box Number 512 podcast Patreon page where you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month. The link to the page is in the show notes for the show. So make sure you go on over there if you would like to see the episode in addition to listening to it. All right, y'all. Back to the show. Hey y'all, welcome to another installment of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. I am your co-host, Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. So let's get started with updates. I will go first. This weekend was very, very busy for me. First of all, I want to shout out to, um, what is the name of that podcast? Um, Unconvenient Truths Podcast. I was a guest on that podcast this weekend and the episode came out, it would have came out on Tuesday when our episode, when this comes out on Friday, the episode will have already came out on Tuesday. Shout out to that podcast. Um, one of the hosts is my cousin, Lee, our hey. player. She invited me to come on and we just had a fun conversation talking about pop culture and a little bit about my life and my work and promoting the podcast. So I just want to shout out to Lee um, and Mr. Intrigue for having me on your platform. You can go listen to that conversation now. I will put the link to the podcast episodes in the show notes for this show. So make sure y'all go to check that out. Go show that podcast some love. It was a key. Also, on Saturday... I had the opportunity to participate in the Say Her Name panel operated by the Clio Clicks organization. It's an organization that mentors young high school age Black children to encourage them to pursue careers in the legal field. So I was a little bit nervous talking to kids because I was there to talk about Black trans women and how we are a part of the Say Her Name movement and some of the things that we go through. And even though I was nervous, the kids were very receptive, very respectful, very aware. And in fact, once we got to the, the question portion of the thing, one of the young men had asked a question about how he could better support his sister who is queer, but the parents are not really accepting. And he really wants to know how to be there for his older sister. So I just thought it was so sweet. And it just, it warms my heart because these kids, like, they are just so smart and they are just so aware and they just want to be, they just want a better world and they want to be better. And they know that these adults are wrong. Like they know that these adults are wrong. So they just want to be better. And I just, it, it makes me want to do more with youth. Uh, I know, especially us as trans people, we're kind of shamed and or shunned from being around kids mm. because of stereotypes and stigmas. Mm. But the kids need to see us. They need to see us. We need to pour into them. We need to create awareness in them. We need, and we're LGBTQ folks. We're the, probably the main ones that are going to listen to them. 
Mm-hmm. So I just, it was a great experience. I like, but it was, it was a little bit of shade because one of the um, organizers said that when they were having this conversation, some of the parents decided not to have their kids a part of this conversation. Like I was gonna, like I was gonna talk about sex and dildos and butt plug. I'm like, no, this is a social justice conversation. But it's okay. Your children missed out, and and there were a lot of children there, and they got a little bit of my wisdom and the wisdom of the other panelists. So I felt really good about it. Uh, Work is work. Uh, I'm happy to. It was a little bit slow last week, but it's work. Everything's good. I'm still looking for a new job. I've applied for some new opportunities. Still waiting to hear back from some things. So I'm just hopeful that I will secure a position. And I'm I'm doing good. Uh, what about you? I'm rooting for you on those positions. Thank you. you know, for those of you who might be listening and you're, you're looking for an amazing attorney who is committed to civil rights, who has a background in, in, in activism, who is an amazing person, who is a hard worker, who is my sister. Please, please, please consider the wonderful, the illustrious Brianna J, Brianna Jenkins Esquire. <laughs> I love her down. But no, um, I am doing good. I'm in a relatively good space. I got big things coming and I'm just excited, just getting ready for whatever God has for me. Um, just um, just living, loving, laughing. Shout out to my husband for being a wonderful, 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 wonderful supporter. Um, and um, I'm gonna borrow very heavily from some of the our love life for this podcast. And so I know my husband listens to every episode and I wanted to start even in just acknowledging my week how supportive he's been this week for me um, and how I know he's gonna be a support for many years to come and how I appreciate his patience with me and his understanding as I share my life and our life sometimes with the world. So just wanted to start with that. Um, Also, um, I am very, 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 The word I want to say is I'm optimistic about the future, but it's still a lot of good stuff going on right now politically that I'm seeing behind the scenes. And this is just just because, you know, I'm one of those people I do still follow the Democrats and what they're doing. And, you know, I am one of those girls that preached from the from the pulpit that we got to make sure that we're watching and making sure that they're following up on some of the things that they promised us. And. I just, I, while I'm excited that we've been getting a lot of good appointments and different things, I am starting to see this this kind of tone of they're trying to be more moderate in the way that they're moving and in opportunities where I feel like the Democratic Party right now could be a little more um, aggressive on some of their some of the way that they support the policies that they're pushing forward. I'm starting to see, you know, folks being concerned about I guess their next step in their political career and they're not really linking up as much as I would like as Democrats. Um, and so that's just interesting. So just following the news on some of the political shuffling behind the scenes. Shout out, I also want to, I would be remiss if I did not address the House of Representatives that here in Atlanta was arrested um, in the, in her job at the city, at the state city, at the, um, excuse me, at the city hall place downtown, the Capitol building is the word, I'm sorry, at the Capitol building where she works under the rotunda. She was knocking to ask questions 
about why there was closed door meetings about the, the, the voter suppression bill that we had that passed here. And she was knocking on the door and I guess the officer did not like that she was doing that and wanted to once again police a black body. And of course they called the police on this woman. So now this, this, this woman now is an elected official. She's in the building where her office is housed, okay? And she's simply trying to inquire. Now mind you, it, may, it was politically focused, but she was simply trying to inquire about something. And I, I feel bad that it ele elevates to the level of arrest. <laughs> And though she was let go and all that, they were trying initially to say that she assaulted an officer and they were trying to bring charges up on this black elegant queen who even in that moment of like the most embarrassing thing that could happen to her is, is, is having your freedom taken and but doing it, but in a public sphere, I know that that is very difficult, but she handled it with a grace and dignity that makes me proud that she's one of my elected officials here in Georgia. And so um, I just wanted to, to, I would be remiss if I did not mention her name. I believe her name is, and I, I put something on my Facebook, but I will, I will speak her name before the end of this podcast, but we live in interesting times. And let's not forget that in the local elections, remember we talked about how they mattered before, they still matter. We got Congress, but we still on a local level have, uh, have systemic racism in place. And a lot of, particularly in the South, a lot of policies now are coming out that are specifically designed to minimize what happened last time. So there- Her name is um, Park Cannon. Park, Park Cannon. Park Cannon. Shout out to Rep Park Cannon. We, we appreciate you and we thank you for your, for, for, for your brave act of daring to question what in Georgia is used to be business as usual. It's just a given. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, girl, that's my week. That's what's going on with me, living, loving, laughing, and all that shit. Um, one thing that I did find interesting, okay, we, one thing I did, what I did find interesting was the little Nas X thing. And I know we, you know, we, we were gonna talk about it. Did you wanna talk about that now? Yeah, before we talk about um, that, just a reminder, we have some great things coming up uh, for Box Filesville podcast. Starting in May, we are going to do uh, our own recap show of polls for their final season. That will only be available on our Patreon page for our level two and our level three patrons. So level two is $7 and level 10 is $10. Um, we're still gonna work on the format. We're gonna try to um, do something different and um, have um, different segments and games for the show. So um, make sure you guys are become patrons so that when we release our videos or do our live, whatever format we do, you will know that's starting. Also, we're going to be starting, um, a new, we're going to have episodes, um, the Winning Women series, where we interview and we talk with Black trans women that are successful, that are out here getting it, and just bring them in and just have conversations. So um, we're in the process of scheduling interviews. Hopefully, we can um, start rolling that out in May, maybe June. But we are hard at work trying to um, create contents and trying to curate conversations. So 
Um, be on the lookout for our pose reviews, which will only be on Patreon, and for our um, new series, um, Winning Women, that will highlight um, Black trans women in our community and um, expose them to our audience. So just wanted to put out that out there. So now we can go into the Little Nas X conversation. Yes. And, and, and for those of you who are interested in getting our real, real take on on, on those on some of those things Brianna talked about, it, this is going to be very exciting, guys. I'm excited. As she was saying, and I'm over here like, yes, 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 yes. And we, y'all get ready. The new, there's some new shit coming and it's exciting. This little Nas X situation though. Oh my gosh. So let's get into it. I think that first, I want to start by saying, I think that he is amazing. So we, me, Brianna and I have a playful rivalry about him as our, I think we share him. I think he's, he's our co-son. He's our co-son. That's, I guess that's the only other girl that I'll say is qualified, girl, because my favorite motto with him is the rest of you girls are overqualified or too late, bitch. Or underqualified or too late. This young man, I feel like from the moment his career started, I feel like he entered this sphere with a little sparkle that no one could deny. And I feel like beyond what people thought was a fluke and what they were ready to write off as, oh, this gay boy pulled a stunt, like he came up on a lick with a song and came up on a stunt and like he, he was going to die away and after Billy Ray Cyrus and all of that. And what I fucking respect is he actually beneath all of the the what people thought was just a troll kind of is a very intelligent very very creative very very um astutely aware individual he is someone that probably well not probably he created his own fame and that's not by chance and i feel like so many people wrote it off as by chance and with his latest endeavor, I feel like initially, now, I, I, there, there, I, now I'm of two minds about it and I will talk about that later. But initially when I was confronted with his new music, um, his new um, project, that is a visual project that features a, a new song. The song, love it. The visuals, love it. Because I understand symbolism. We live in a world where people take shit way too fucking literally. And I feel like if you, he was trying to talk to a deeper message as a part of the release of the visual project. He also brought up a, he, he brought some tweets. He, he did some tweeting and he talked about how as a child, he was made to feel, to hate himself. And one of his tweets actually was almost like a, a beautiful love letter to himself as a child that made me cry, in which he talked about how, you know, I know we said we would never tell anyone. I know we never we said we would never be that gay. I know we said we would never, and it just resonated in my heart in a way that made me cry. Because as a child, I hated myself so much that I was prepared to die miserable if it meant that I could, I could just, make these people stop picking at me or make somebody love me harder and particularly in church if I just wouldn't burn in the fiery flames of hell for being who I am for something I can't control to be condemned to hell if I could just for one moment 
have been able to have that a letter from a letter from my older self telling me it was going to be okay, I probably would have stopped so many years of self-hate and loathing. I would have made better choices. I would have probably be a whole different person today, but that was not my journey. And through Nudalaz X and him sharing that little narrative, I truly was inspired to really, really feel empowered because you're confronting this thing. You confronting those deacons in church. You confront them nasty or them nasty ladies in church that would always look at me nasty as a child. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm a child and I'm a virgin and you're accusing me of doing something that I haven't even done yet just because I'm feminine. Does that make sense? And what I saw in now Little Nas X as this character with this wig on in his full flaming sexuality. I think about beatings that I got for getting caught dancing sexy. I think about all of these things as I was watching this video. And then to see him confront the devil and, and, and with that without fear. Because see, we've been taught to fear the devil our entire life, to, to fear hell. And what I saw in the creative visual was someone that was literally articulating that if you send a queen to hell, we will turn hell out. Because we know how to make everything beautiful. We know how to make everything beautiful. We will turn everything around because God has made us and given us the gift of survival. And what I saw was him conquering the devil and then turning the concept of devil on its head and, be, and saying, I'm the, I'm the very devil you thought I was to begin with, and I turned this bitch. Get into it. Now, before we get into the second part, which is the shoes, I want to say that that truly inspired me in a way that really, really was amazing. And it made me, I actually sat up in a night thinking about like, wow, like, wow, like, and what would the letter that I said to myself, what would it say? What would it say? And then, and that's so powerful because there's so much I want to tell my young self, but I feel like in his video, what he confronted was the shame, the fear, the judgment, the, the hatred that we're taught to have for ourselves. And even in his rebuttals, in some of the tweets that he posted after everybody was getting upset, he told people to be mad, stay mad, because you taught us to be mad and hate ourselves. So you stay mad now, now that I turned your whole judgment on you. I thought it was powerful. Before we go into the shoes, what were your thoughts on just everything I've talked about thus far, sis? Um, I am really proud of my son. I love him down. I think this is going to be like a watershed moment just for like black queer creators, period, because we never seen somebody on little Nas's level, somebody black and queer, just be so unapologetic in the the song, the content, the visuals, just so un unapologetically queer and just mastering their art. And I, I just love how he just took, he took the idea of eternal damnation and hell and religion and just flipped it on his head. And it's, he, I love just how he reclaimed his power and how yeah. he reclaimed his narrative and how the, the, the beauty of being in this generation, especially with social media culture is you get to create the narrative. You get to create the, we don't have to rely on the big machine to, to funnel out and to push out our narrative, we get to create our narrative. And I think this 
this song, this video is going to be something that 10, 15 years from now that younger Black queer artists want to say, this is what inspired me to live unapologetically in my truth and then express it through my art. Um, I, you know me, I'm very, you know, I'm very confrontational. I just like how it was a big F you to the staunch Christians that are judgmental. It's, and this is something that I've always felt in my personal life. And I think this is kind of why I gravitate to horror and darkness and um, like the type of genres and stuff that I like, because in horror movies or in horror stories, you kind of have to go to that darkness to find the truth, to find the reason for the pain or the reason, like there's always a reason. And even in coming to accept my transness and to accept my queerness and always being told that what you are is sinful, you're going to hell, and it's nothing that you can ever do to change that. It kind of won, even at a young age, it made me not fearful of that. And it made me have to turn inward and have to, okay, this Satan, this devil, let me go find what it is for myself. But in finding that, it's where I was able to free myself. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, this thing that you're talking about, like, that's not hell. This judgment, but your judgment, your exclusion, your um, isolation, that's the hell. So I just like how he was able to just capture that in video and kind of um, demystify um, looking into your darkness, which is something that we don't do enough in this world. Nobody wants to look into the darkness to see the truth of themselves and to own it and to claim it. And to so I just love that um, he did that. And I love that it's making people uncomfortable. I love that it's making people uncomfortable. I love that it's forcing us to have these conversations. And I don't know, I love how it's exposing the phony ass motherfuckers that are acting like they, it's like, you are not religious, you're not Christian, you just don't like um, gay shit. Cause we didn't have a problem when Madonna made out with the, with the, with the, with the, with the bellinated Jesus. We didn't have a problem when, you know, when, 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 we show when, when when we have these artists that use this visual imagery around like calling themselves a messiah and all this and then the third like we actually live for religious iconography in our art in this society what is interesting and the hypocrisy is like you said is you want to be able to control who's able to talk about it you want to just like you want to use the bible and religion as a tool and a measure to control how people think act and believe you are, people also want to use the book and all of that stuff to control the images. Cause see, it's okay when it's something, it's, it's okay for us to use God and imagery for, for money and profit when it's something, when it's something, when it's coming from somebody we want it to come from, when it's coming from somebody, a cis het man with bipolar disorder and all kinds of problems can put out a gospel album and get all the awards girl and get life, right? But a gay man daring to say the same truth but through a different lens because y'all won't let him do the other thing. So what he's actually doing is confronting your own bias because what a lot of religious folks should ask is how do you lose the ability to understand symbolism when it applies to gay people talking about how you oppress us with, with, with hell and Satan, but you can understand symbolism and these other art forms that are also could also be, conceived, be perceived as sacrilegious. 
So I, I don't I don't want to hear no more of that shit because that is crazy to me. Like there are people that are completely okay and understand in our society that religious symbolism is used in all types of media. I don't like that Christians are trying to make it seem like this is some deep agenda and that this man is trying to like, you know, push the devil down people's necks and this and then the third. Now, on to the shoes. Are you, uh, yeah. this is what I- Hold, hold, hold on, I had one more thing. Um, oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I yeah, I just what did what did I want to say? Oh, I just I just I feel like the the message of the video is just accepting that being okay with being the villain. I think you just gotta be okay with that the fact that you're going to be the villain in people's school. Like that's how you know when you feel. That's how you know when you've gotten to the place of true acceptance. This is like, well, I'm just gonna have to be the villain. But if that means I get to be free, and it's really saying. I would rather go to hell so I can live in the fullness of who I am than constrain myself in your heaven. And I, th I think that's a very powerful. And I think he set a lot of people free um, with the video, but uh, let's take it to the shoes. Now to the shoes. So after, I, I wanna say 48 hours after um, he actually released the video, he released a photograph of himself um, in some very sickening context, if I must say, that had they were like some 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 kind of cat eye looking kind of context. They could be perceived as demonic, whatever, but they were cute. And I and he was trying to convey demon vibes because he was sharing the Satan shoe. Now, apparently, not Nike, but a third party company that that does customizations. And I have to say that because Nike has released a statement and I do think it's unfair when parent companies get blamed for shit that ain't them. You know, cause I remember when we went in on that Barbie and then we realized, you know, well, we knew then that it wasn't the real company but it was still the point that that had widely circulated the internet. So we talked about it, but just like that Barbie situation for our old school from the day one um, um, listeners we, there, you, you have to go back in the archive to find that one. But we talked about um, a customization that went wrong previously. In this moment, um, this company partnered with Little Nas X, or at least got his creative input, because we know that Little Nas X is not a shoe designer, one. Okay, that's I'm bringing up all these points because later I'm gonna wrap you around. Little Nas X is not a shoe designer. He partnered with this company because he had this package, this product he was gonna put out. And he, I'm sure his people, reached out to someone where they could have some type of merch to go along with the project. This is me speculating, but given the facts as well. Now, in, in getting that information, I believe he was like, okay, we could do the shoes. And it sounded like a good idea. So these, these black Nikes have, they have um, red writing on it. There are 666s on the shoe. There's a pentagram on the shoe. The shoe is red rimmed. It's a beautiful shoe if it were not completely it actually has biblical scripture quote on the shoe the shoe is designed at the bottom with a pentagram so that when you walk you literally leave the pentagram in the ground okay the shoe also has um, um 666 cc's of fluid but one one actual drop of human blood now as someone 
I'm a, I'm, a, I'm addressing from I'm addressing my point of view from two parts. But as someone that is a spiritual practitioner of more than just traditional religion and Christian Christianity, <clears throat> I'm aware that no matter what you're do, doing, you have to be careful in general about taking things that are imbued with such spiritual power for a lot of people, whether you believe it or not, and 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 you and imbuing um, a political point of view with it. And here's my thought, and this is just me. I feel that in the video, what I thought was dope about it was I felt like he was confronting and tearing down the notion that these mythological creatures are these mythological creatures in that we made myths are going to do what we think they're going to do when we encounter them that they're going to judge us the way we're going to that we judge each other that the universe and god in the world is judging us on these small little differences that make us unique i thought that's what he was tearing down was the very idea that there's this thing out there that's petty enough to be trying to find your flaws to determine whether or not you're going to hell, right? What, whether that flaw be anything, but particularly being LGBT or being different, queer, different, behaving out of the norm, it's almost absurd. It felt like he was trying to show the absurdity in him just being queer and having a good dance to a song y'all would live for because the song is dope if it were not for the video. So I thought that's what he was doing. The, what gives me pause is now this commercial production of this Satan shoe that then now, because when he put out the first post, the communities came and supported him. A lot of people talked about how it see the gays have an agenda. A lot of us content creators saw it, believed in it, put our faith in it because we thought what he, I felt like what he was trying to say was it's not fucking okay to be using any of this one, one way of thinking to try to box us in. What, what I found interesting and what made it what weakened his argument for me was that the shoes almost are equating now, because now I'm promoting something, right? It, it went from a message and, a, and maybe promoting the song to promoting a secondary product. And in this promotion, it's almost like we're promoting and alignment because you 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 tied it to your childhood you tied it to being lgbt and now you're tying lgbt to your satan shoe and i have a problem with that because for people like my family members i was about to list name names but people like my family members for people that that judge me based on my religious beliefs for people that are out there in the world that already use religion as a way to say y'all are demonic and you're going to hell and you worship the devil because i've been told that by loved ones you worship the devil with your lifestyle with my family blood so this hits particularly hit for me because i in my life consider myself to be a light bringer i am someone that prayers love as often as i can i pray over the people in the store while i'm there like I am one of those people, I am deeply spiritual and I am deeply connected, but I am not religious. And it, but I have feel like a part of my life 
is being judged all the time by religious folk or people who think that they're spiritual and think that they can see me as see me as as wanting or or, or as a problem because I'm trans. So when I when I heard his story, I initially got very excited because I was like, okay, he's confronting this. But then to tie us back now to Satan again, for those people that are already judging us, this only is confirmation to them. This now changes the conversation to like, as like almost like linking me and my linking LGBT children and the struggle that they go through to like less, we do kind of need to worship the devil, like or the devil is cool, or like the the embodiment of the evil that people perceive is a part of us, and maybe it is, and I do think we should be able to confront darkness. But I know that there were a lot of people that were happy that he was trying to make fun of the fact that we worship the devil by being who we are, only to realize, no, he's also saying, you know, by these Satan shoes in essentially holding up this deity that I, in my opinion, is what people would consider evil. And they already equate LGBT with evil. So it felt like it's continuation of a stereotype because now what I do know is the ignorant the ignorant church folks printed that out and passed it out as the flyers on Sunday to confirm everything that they thought about why our lifestyle is demonic. And not that not that I don't get the symbolism still in the shoe. I get the trolling, I get the symbolism, but I know that for the larger audience, the real deeply religious folk, this is confirmation for them. Like I, I, it actually probably is closing conversation in a way. And I, I am all about art changing things, but then when you're trying to sell a product and then that product is kind of like confusing with what you're trying to say with the art. Cause I thought we was unpacking the whole thing, but now it's like, but no, here's some Satan shoes. I'm confused. What are your thoughts, sis? Um, I mean, I didn't feel that same way about the Satan shoes. Now, would I personally go out and purchase the Satan shoes or buy them for myself? No, but I, I, I think that I think that's the point. The point is to to show how absurd it is. And he knew that he, the thing, it, like Little Nas X, knows exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So he knew that those religious those zealous religious people were going to take that and run with it and um, spill that narrative. But I think that it's part of the whole point to show the absurdity from it. And and even he's capitalizing off of the song, he's capitalizing off of the video. So to, in my opinion, him making the shoes, that's no different from uh, any artist partnering with a, a food brand or, or or a product brand to further promote their music or promote whatever they're trying to do, I just think it's um, I just I just think it's the Satanism at, at hand that's the issue because this same company produced a line of Jesus shoes and there and there was no issue with that. So it, it, for me, if we change this one thing about the shoes. Why why is it so much uproar over these Satan shoes, but not these Jesus shoes? And let's not act like satanic um iconography is not used to sell like other products. Because if you go to any high topic, 
You can find like a rock shirt. I with the, rock culture is rock, right. Rock yeah, culture. inverted pentagram. I just I think this speaks to the topic of how people try to say, oh, Christianity. It's just my religion, but no, Christianity is kind of like whiteness, where it's baked into the culture and it's um, supreme to other religions. Because for me, do I follow Satanism? No. But I do recognize that Satanism um, is a religion. And, but I think it's the, and he even had like this inscribed around the, the devil on the chair, people fear what they don't know. So I feel like because of the innate fear or prejudice against Satanism and against Satan iconography, it's, it's, it's challenging people to have this type of response to these type of things. And I, I think it's further driving his point home because even in one of the videos for the church, y'all can have a conversation about these shoes in this video, but y'all can't talk about police brutality. Y'all not talk, y'all not having this thing about racism. Y'all are not y'all are not talking about any of the social things that are going on and making a stance. But you're making this video about a sh about these shoes that only 666 people are going to get. They cost a thousand fucking dollars, so it's not like it's not like everybody are going to buy these shoes. It's not like these shoes are like Air Force ones, and they're just going like the in the grand scheme of things, this is a very niche um thing that only select people will have, and I, I just and the whole thing of um, conflating Satanism with queer identity, I get your concern and I get your pause around it. But I think part of, I, but again, I think it feeds into Little Nod's X's point that respectability politics or the, having them think that we're not these things, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day because these people with the power and control they're gonna find something else. They just don't give a fuck about us. So for me, as long as I know who I am and I know that I'm not a devil or I know I'm not a demon and I know that I'm a good person, for me and that's like, that's just gonna have to be enough for me because if I keep worrying about how they're gonna perceive me or what they're going to think, that should make you go crazy. And they're, they're, they are um, looking for anything, but for, for me, the imagery and everything and we can't do devil like companies literally use devils and satans to set like the match commercial that had that big ass devil that was way scarier than the devil in the video or even at south park when the devil in that movie was in a relationship with saddam hussein like we've seen this image like again this goes back this goes back to the this all goes back in my opinion to the fact that a black queer man took agency over his life and took agency over his narrative and dared to disrupt the status quo and say, "You, I'm just going to do it anyway because you're you're going to say whatever it is that you want to say about me. So I'm going to um, make my narrative and I'm going to do it for me. And then when I'm ready to leave this and go into the next thing, I'm sure he's going to um, do something else, but I, for me, it's important to not let to not be hampered by the respectability politics. Because one thing I've learned in my life, no matter how much you try to 
um, worry about people's comfort. If they don't like it and they don't want to respect it, no matter how nice you put it up, dress it up, or how raw you leave it, it, it the, the degree doesn't matter. So I'm thankful that he did go extreme so we could so we the people could see who are our allies or who are on our side or see the people who are just fronting like their allies because they don't want to be they don't want to be the the phobic person but really your heart is saying something else so that those are my opinion on the shoes would i buy them no but i don't think they're for me i don't think so if i don't like them i ain't buy them. And so, and and so, and then, so here's the thing, everything that I agree with, everything you just said, and I, I, I also, and I, and I feel like there are, I am, I can, I feel like I can have both, both opinions in the sense that I, I am judging him the same way I would judge any artist that I feel like was using a real present issue that they may be connected to because of their identity, but a real present issue. And in the rollout, you start by writing a letter to your childhood self, you using your platform as an LGBT person to call attention to something. You release a visual product, okay, fine, okay? And I understand that you're promoting that product and that's gonna gain you money, right? But the message is tied to the product initially. To the to the to the project, excuse me. The, the the message is tied to the project originally, so I'm okay with this project. I'm okay with you selling merch. Where you lose me is then where you go come online in the Twitter and say, well, if you if you mad, stay mad. The way you taught us to hate ourselves, ourselves. So you're in the collective, right? And then you drop the Satan shit. You have to be careful, in my opinion. When you represent, when you, when you, when you take your, when you take it upon yourself to you to speak on behalf of a group, that you, that it doesn't feel like the initial, the end, the end result was just a shoot. Because really, to be real, how do we not know that he was like, I want to kind of rebrand myself. You know, because people say I'm going to hell. I want to rebrand myself. And my rollout for my branding is, is I'll talk about my childhood so I can sell these shoes. See, it's not so much. So so I, I do want to acknowledge that I see the potential for exploitation in the sense that as an LGBT person, you know, by tying your shoes to our, you know what I'm saying, to our movement and your position in our culture as someone that we hold up, that you would sell a bunch of shoes. Now, and all 666, 1,000 and some change dollar shoes will be sold. And that would also, you know that's gonna get you bigger money with this same company later. You know that this is gonna lead. So I know what the plan, but how do we know that he's not just being calculated? And it's what I'm trying to say. And I acknowledge that I do support the overall art and the visual. And like you said, my critique is of it is not on the Satan, whether or not that's a valid religion, none of that, none of that. My critique is I don't like when people tie actual trauma and things to a product without really in the middle explaining the difference between the two. Because it, to me, I almost feel like once again, I'm gonna use my struggle as an LGBT person 
and I'm going to rope in my audience to, to, to understand. They're going to have a debate online. They're going to get into it with their family and friends. People are going to support me, but I'm just trying to sell shoes. He has not yet cleared up whether or not that's the case, but it just seems to me like the movement was cute to sell shoes, and that's where he had lost me in this. So love him down. I still consider him my son, and I can critique my baby. All of my kids get my get the honesty from mama. You can you can trust and believe. You better ask him because I love him down. But I, he kind of gagged me. Just I the, that that part kind of gagged me. Particularly when you know you playing in controversy, and you like, damn, these shoes gonna be hot. I know Kanye does a does a lot of money off of controversy selling his shoes and products. I know that. That that's a that, that's a real marketing strategy. I want Little Nas X to know that your your power and your light is bigger than a shoe. And that you know, hopefully get this money from this shoe, but remember not to go become a stereotype trying to prove a stereotype wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't from my perspective, I'm not seeing the shoe as like this new clothing company. I'm just seeing it as like a capsule collect, like a a small like my capsule collect. You not- don't know. That's the point. We are right. thinking that he's going to have the best intentions. That this was just a moment. Of well, moment. well, well I'm willing to give, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And if I'm wrong later on, I'll be I'll be wrong. Mm-hmm. But. I'm again, giving them the benefit of the doubt too, but again, I'm pointing out that there could be conflict here. Right. We're assuming but again, he's because he's queer and that he's got our best interests, but I don't, even with black folks, I don't do that. So I just acknowledging that there could be other intent and I'm hoping that's not the case. Right. But I'm going to give him credit. Little Nas X is very smart and he's very hyper aware, something that if you're a black and queer person, you're just hyper aware. So I'm just going to trust that he knows exactly what he's doing. And he, he knows from what he's shown me, he knows how to push buttons. And I'm hoping that he knows how to pull it back when it needs to um, get pulled back. Agreed. Agreed. I think that's where we both can a thousand percent agree. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I yeah, so. Also, he is very aware. And I do believe he knows people and he's a good read of a room. And I respect that he's a troll to a certain extent because I do believe it takes a certain of emotional intelligence to kind of like fuck with people and make people question what they believe. And so hopefully that's where we are and that this is the moment and it'll it'll evolve into something that is deep. Yeah, because you, like, think about it. In him trolling, you've never seen him. Like, he trolls, but he's not being homophobic. He's not being colorist. He's not being misogynistic. Like, he, like, and it takes a level of skill to be funny and be a comedian like that and not be offensive. Particularly takes- on an online forum. Right. It's hard not to be offensive online. And he does a wonderful job. So again, and I, like I said, I live for the video. I, I was not offended with the Satan visuals because I can fucking understand religious symbolism. The shoe is just where it was, was the bridge. Yeah, and... Also, I want the Christians to stop with the we need to protect protect the children trope. Oh, y'all have proven time and time again, y'all don't give a fuck about kids because I remember the Kirk Franklin conversation. I know we didn't talk about that and we probably won't so we can get to our next topic. We're ready y'all to were talk sitting, about the molesters in our family. We yeah, were, y'all were sitting, we'll be protecting the kids. 
Y'all were sitting talking about how y'all love for verbally and physically abusing y'all kids if they get out of line because they're your property. Y'all don't give a fuck about kids. So don't act like y'all give a fuck about kids now. Y'all are literally passing laws to restrict people, from, trans kids, from getting fucking health care. Y'all read Zaya Wade every chance she gets, and she just be minding her business, being a cunt, minding her business, talking to the first lady. Like, y'all don't give a fuck about kids. So but stop. I'm going to reiterate because I feel like there's some hypocrites in the room that need me to hear this one more time. Those of you, when we're ready to talk about the sexual abuse in our own communities, in our own neighborhoods, in our own families, then we will be having a conversation that I feel like is forward. Y'all are wondering, y'all worrying about queer people and how we living and how we being, what we just being. God makes all kinds of beautiful things in the world. There is no snowflake that's the same. So why would you think that people would be the same? There's a spectrum to everything in life. Why do you think that everything has to be the same? But what really, 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 really at the end of the day for me is the, is the kicker is that people pick and choose when they want to be crump and be rah-rah and when they want to shut up. And for kids in particular, when we are willing to really stand up and tell our stories and make sure that our children are protected and that we're putting up, if we have to lock up family members, we're putting them in jail. Don't tell me about LGBT people and their art messing with kids. The most dangerous thing to children is usually the people around them. Not the stuff on TV. It's the people in their families that are abusing them physically, spiritually, sexually. That is what really, 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 really is the issue with our kids. So don't you ever let me hear no, I don't ever want nobody to feel like they can say around me, well, I'm just trying to protect my kids. Well, when you're ready to protect kids, we're going to put uncles and granddaddies and aunties and cousins in jail. And play boyfriends. And play boyfriends in jail. Because there are a lot of people who are gone, who really, really, in my opinion. And, uh, and some aunties. Maybe it's, it's, it's really people, in my opinion, that are reprehensible, not even because they are the abuser, but because you know the abuser existed and you said nothing. So it's a lot of hypocrisy. So I want all y'all to shut the hell up because there's too many families out here going, living, literally existing on a wing and a prayer. And there's too many kid, grown kids in therapy because whole of the image. on a wing and yeah. a prayer, babies. Right. Duct tape and gorilla glue, bitch. Right, it's too yeah. many adults in therapy now because of the traumatic, traumatic childhoods that they had growing up. Whether they had one parent in the home, two parents in the home, no parents in the home, y'all were traumatizing as fuck. But I just wanted to put that little nugget out there because never again will you try to equate me, anything, that, any content, any work of LGBT people as any type and, and connecting that with protecting children, protecting them from what? The people that can, uh, the people that ain't afraid, because it's the reality. You trying to protect your children from the people that's living in truth? Because that's all we doing. You know what you're getting with me. You trying to protect your children from people living in truth because you feel comfortable as a liar yourself, keeping your children and wrapped in a shroud of lies. But we're going to move on. Okay, so this is going to be a lioness takeover today. So, sis, come on and introduce this topic, and I will back you up. 
All right. So, so. I've so. been waiting to talk about this bitch. Let's start with the conversation. So, Brianna and I, as always, you know, we always are in, conver- in conversation. We talk, you know, several times a week. And we also, now that we're business women, we have conversations that are kind of like quasi, right? Like, we already have these kinds of conversations. We'll see each other. We'll see something in the media. She'll text me. I hit her back. We'll call. I have a key. Like, we're always staying engaged. But sometimes we have these quasi conversations that are both business and amazingly great conversations. So we started having this conversation on the phone. We were talking about business and potential episodes. And I said, I, and she brought up a couple of topics. And I remember saying, and I just want to talk about this. Because as a, and, and, and what I'm about to talk about is, this is another episode of the trans is the default. And it's trans is the default part three, right? Mm-hmm. In the other episodes, we talked about fella and the first trans is the default. Brianna, if I'm not mistaken, then we talked to fellas. Right. About how they can engage with us as a community. Yeah, and we were talking to the women too, how to know whether somebody you're dating is really ready to pursue you um, right. as a, a real option. And then in episode two, two we, we were talking to the, to, men, to the men about how to refine their expectations. Um, right, refine right. your expectations in relationships. And we did a lot of deep relationship talk. We talked about interpersonal. The, the dynamic between couples in relationship when they're in a, a short-term intermediate or long-term relationship. And we both gave our different relationship issues based on, you know. And, our- and we just talked about the realities of black trans women and the things that the men are gonna come up against that when part. they're dealing with us. But primarily the conversation was focused on the interpersonal dynamic, what to look for in us, what we're gonna, you know, is that. Right. This conversation takes it the step further. You now met the girl the or girls. You met the guy. The relationship, y'all are communicating. Y'all got something good going on. There's a little, there's a little life here. The, 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 the tender is starting to stoke and it's stoking and now it's becoming a fire and the fire is beginning to burn, burn and it's no longer a flame, but it's a little buzz, girl. And now y'all got warmth. And the love that y'all have between y'all means that y'all are now moving as a unit, right? So this is not, so for the girls out there that are that are not thinking about in that relationship place, and this may not be your conversation because this conversation is gonna be, this conversation is that real, real, real deal conversation for the ladies out there, because we do center women and for the fellas who, are, have been in this place of being in a relationship and understanding that a relationship without support is nothing and that there is no such thing as two human beings who have lives, family, friends, and connections. There's no such thing as coming together and none of the other things, other shit affecting the union. This episode will talk about the compromises this episode will talk about the compromises, the um, the um, 
I lost my train of thought, guys. I apologize. This will talk about the compromises. This will talk about the changes that you go through. This will talk about the awkward moments that you have to push through. This will talk about the things that you may not consider when you say, I like this man. Does he like me? Will I go out in public with him? Um, will I go out in public with him? Will he you know, walk away from me? Will he support me? Let's say you've gotten past all that because that, there's a lot of conversation around that. But when you're in a relationship, you find that you're never really able to just not interact with other people. And you can't control, he can't control how people are gonna to react to you. And I'm not talking like just at the grocery store with strangers, cause yeah, my nigga ain't gonna let nobody say nothing about me. Bitch, I feel like I am safe. I feel like I'm in the presence of a, of a, of a, of a, a secret service person when I'm with my husband. He don't play by me. He do not play by me. And, I, and that's a good feeling. But there are situations where as much as he don't play about me, there's nothing he can do because of the social situation that we're in, who may or may be offending me and what that offense looks like. And so I'm gonna talk about some examples today on that. So to start off, I wanna talk about when you're dating someone, the first thing you begin to do is you go out on dates and then as you get to know each other, you people start introduced, the guys will introduce you to people or girls will introduce you to some of their friends. Usually though, people that they're introducing you to you very, very early on, believe it or not, tend to be some of the, particularly if, I know for, I know for me, if, if you're in a, particularly if you like the person, if you know that the guy's vibing from you and he's taking you to meet people, he's usually taking you to people he thinks are the safest first right like he don't want to be he don't want his spot blown up he wants people around you that are going to show him in the best light so these aren't necessarily the closest closest of friends right but these are people that he feels comfortable around so it may be co-workers it may be homeboys it may be cousins but he definitely may not in the beginning be taking you to mama or the family cookout and you may not even i, I wouldn't even want that i don't know you well enough to be at your cookout that's deep like no because now no Cause that's, I don't even, I don't know you and I don't know you enough to know whether or not you got me, you know what I'm saying? But there are, but in the beginning, usually people introduce you to these smaller, uh, more tertiary relationships. Now, some guys may lead right in and take you straight to the spouse and the family. And those you guys, hopefully they have a strategy and they have already prepared their family and that they not just thrusting you into something. Hopefully, if they're pulling it like that, they've done that. But the conversation we're having today is about when inadvertently you are in situations in your relationship where other people and their how they feel about transness or, or other people and how they feel about just in general being in the presence of people of a, of a, of a queer person or a, a LGBT person and how they react. So I'm going to give you an example. Um, there are often times in my role as wife, and my husband is a business professional, I will not name his company today, um, and, and, and but at the level he works at, I'm often going to banquets and fundraisers and um, society events, and he's also um, in a fraternity, and he has line brothers and an extensive connection 
um, in, his, in, in his life, right? There were people that loved my husband dearly that have been a part that are a part, have been a part of his life for years that were hesitant at first to engage with me not knowing who I am but in him being honest about his truth not necessarily about me because he was on he, I'm not I'm not the first relationship that my, my husband had been in so I'm not under, so well, I wasn't the girl that popped the cherry with the family. But because my husband had been in a relationship with other trans women and he had shared different levels of disclosure and there were certain people that reacted differently. Everybody didn't react the same. What I discovered when I came into his life was he did his best in the very beginning to protect me but then there were times where we would meet a friend and this friend is cool. This friend has been around me and Tierra several times, but then this friend brings their girlfriend or their spouse or another homeboy and then their girlfriend. Or we end up in a group dating situation where my husband knows only two people, but now because of partnering in the friend circles, now I'm in a group of maybe six couples. All cishet people. All cishet people. Because people are communal, particularly because he's in frat and so you know, he has frat life. So then, you know, it can be very quickly. It can be, it can, it, we can, we can, the table can multiply. So now I'm in a group of six people and I'm a trans person. Now, maybe with the first set of people, I could talk about what I do in community openly. We already have that relationship, that familiarity. You know, we, we're cool. These couple, this couple, we double date with all the time. This man has no issue with me being trans. This woman has no issue with me being trans. And I talk openly about my podcast and my life. They both subscribe to my podcast. This is a safe space for me. But now, because of this larger community event, other people are starting to sit here. One of, let's just say, one of my, and this story is, is purely hypothetical. So don't try, for those of you who are my listeners, you, it wasn't at your event. I'm like, this is hypothetical. But let's say we're at a table. I'm cool with this group of people, but then now there's another guy here. And from the moment he sit down, I can feel his energy. He's looking at you like. Can you look up at the top real quick? Look, it's something up there. So you can. But here's the reality. Because of this friend circle, and I know we know each other. You could tell also when people come to the table looking for the tranny because they've been told it once that, 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 that when, when you they've been already prepped, pre-prepped. it's given where's Waldo cheese, right? So it's the where's Waldo moment. So as you see the guy going around the room now, mind you, or I've been in this situation where I'm sitting at the table and everything's going good, and mind you, these people here that I'm comfortable talking about my stuff with. All of a sudden, it's and Samaya. Oh my God, I love what you do in community. And I'm gagging inside, like, girl. And they don't realize that in that moment, yes, I'm out and I'm I am a very, very um, you know, national advocate. I'm a very, very public figure in this world. They take for granted in this personal situation because unlike them, they're not looking at all the eyes around the room. As trans people, we have a sixth sense. 
We have to assess everybody in the room. We looking at the table behind us, that's the booth sideways, looking the other direction and watching them look at us. We see the wait staff on the, all the way at the front of the store pointing them and pointing our direction. We see the side eye from the old lady over on the table at the booth next to us. We see all of that at the same time while we're on the date or while we're with our friends, right? So this guy sits down, he's giving me the eye of, of, of I'm not certain. And then somebody says something that outs me as a trans person, not in, inadvertently, but something along the lines of, you know, you know, oh, Samaya, you do a lot of work in community. Um, Samaya works in HIV AIDS and then, you know. Oh, and, no, bitch. <laughs> you could have said health services a bitch. You knew what you were doing, bitch. Knew what you were doing, right? Very that, very that. So there have been times when I've been out about people and then you watch the energy shift in the room. These people that were just laughing with me a minute. So now when he sat down and he gave me this thank God, his girl, me and her done chatted up. We done talk about life. Girl, I love your lipstick. Where'd you get it? Oh, girl, gag is. I pulled my lipstick out. Ha, ha, ha. We have the same one. We've connected. We bonded. I'm socializing with this other couple over here. We all good. Everybody's fine. Nobody's having a problem. After that one outing, though, the energy vibrates in the room differently. Everybody's kind of shook. And now I'm in a place where as a trans woman, I can feel the vibe is different. Now I can react and say, honey, 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 look, they being mean, or what do I do? Or I could challenge everyone in the room as I am inclined to do and be like, what's the fuck is the, what's going on? What's the team who's got a problem what's good? Cause see, I don't mind defending myself, but in this situation where I'm in a social circle that is not mine, but my spouse's, I have to react differently. These are the things that no one told me about when I was date, when I was beginning to date guys and I said I wanted to be with them long distance. I am used to being very protective over my environment and my space. But I am not, but what I did realize, what I realized is, is that I'm gonna be around people who maybe never had thought in their whole life that they would be around somebody that's trained. And then, and in that moment, because of ignorance, they may not react the best way. And in that moment, because of bias and religious beliefs and all of that, they're questioning their social circle. Like, how did I get to be to be here? Because uh, if you haven't been around a trans person and you go off of what's shown in the media and you go off of what's the gossip about us, we're supposed to be crazy. We're supposed to be you know, like wild and trying to turn the party out type of people. And you've been engaging with me for 45 minutes and you didn't know a thing. Things shift. And there are times where people have said, said things or made comments or now when we have the friend circles, everybody else is invited. And now we see that that friend circles, they're now hanging out and we're not invited anymore. And even my friends, my husband's friends that are cool with him, they're cool with still hanging with the social circle without us. And they catch us on occasion when we, because we'll keep the tranny in that relationship over here. And I watch my husband in an effort to defend me lose people, not necessarily defend me through words or like, defend me, but he's protective over me and he's very sensitive about me. 
don't play by me. So because of his sensitivity, I've watched him ice people out after they after they've made me feel uncomfortable or they said something. He's not the type of person that's gonna make a scene, but he will stop speaking to your motherfucking ass. Very Sagittarius. Yes, and and it's cold and it's for real. And but what but what ended up happening? What ends up happening is I feel guilty as a trans woman that because of my presence in my husband's life, he is lost a lot of people he thought were supporters. Now I do know, fuck them, they're not really supporters if they don't really support you and they don't support all of who you are. But it is still painful to watch your partner have people have to go through their own transition to be around you. The reality of it is, and this is what I why I wanted to bring this topic up, what if I've learned or I had to learn very early on that when people are confronted with me, just like my husband had to go through a transition in his evolution as a man to really be a true partner to a trans woman, or not just a date or, or a fuck, but he had to evolve to become a good man to a trans woman. And there was a journey. And just like I had to transition to go through a journey to be this full woman. Well, his friends had to transition. His mama had to transition. His cousins had to transition. Everybody had to transition. And there were moments of awkwardness and there were difficult conversations. And there were times where I privately came home and cried away from him Mm. because I did not want him to feel like what he thought was a lovely dinner was shady. Think about ladies, how many times you go out with your man and y'all go to, let's say a house party or you go to a gathering where there are a lot of couples or groups of men and women. The men go in one space and the women go in the other. So even if your man is the kind of dude that's the ride or die, when he brings you to the family cookout, it's the women in the kitchen that's gonna give you the heat. And you have to be the kind of woman that has to understand that there are social responsibilities that that are also a part of being in a long-term relationship and it's vice versa. So men, you're not off the hook either. On the flip side, there needs to be more men that are willing to really, really be a part of our community for real. What's really sick and sad is that my husband has been a part of transamorous communities for, for 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 many many years online and he knows fellas in 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 different cities that really really be repping for the girls but when we really do have marches and rallies for the girl there are we can't even get those niggas to be security for us there are times where my husband has been the only the only cis man being at a at a rally or an event for something that's powerful. And meanwhile, my sisters have husbands and men. And when I ask my sisters, why your man here? Oh, he don't do shit like this girl. He don't, he don't, you know, he don't deal with this kind of stuff. Well, what's this kind of stuff? Because this is our life. What is that? What is that? What is this kind of stuff? Like, we have to stop entertaining the idea that to be around us is to be gay. To be around our life is to somehow get too close. Because what I found, and that's what somebody, no one told me, because I was that girl in the beginning too. I don't want my man in community. I don't want my man. Listen, if he's your man 
He needs to, and you want, and you want to be included in his life. There is a true merging. He gotta know, and he gotta be cool with your kids, your gay kids. He has to be able to love them, just like you are a parent, and just like any other parent would say, you can't accept me if you can't accept my family. He needs to be able to accept your family, your chosen family. He needs to be okay being around people that look like you, your friends, your sisters. And you should be, and if you can't trust the nigga around your sisters or your niggas around your man, then you got some decisions to make, sis. But the truth is, you should be able to have both. Brianna is one of my dearest friends. And she's been to my house numerous times. And I have never, ever for a second felt like it was anything wrong with my man and Brianna sharing a laugh, with my man and Brianna being left alone. My, my, you know why? Because he has been around her enough that they are like family. That is his sister-in-law. That, he, he, that is family to him and he is family, she is family, he is family to her. But it's because we did the work of merging because we understood that, that they, when things were shaky, sometimes my chosen family was our family. When things were shaky in his, in his world of cishet navigating as a transamorous man that identifies as, you know, that cishet in the way he conducts in the world, like people don't necessarily know that he's queer. He doesn't have necessarily have a queer appearance. He knows he navigates in a way that people will, he'll connect with people that aren't that, and then it will never come up in conversation that my wife is trans. And I don't want him telling just any old person that I am trans. So then it puts the responsibility on me when I show up to be able to handle an awkward encounter. Because if I don't want you telling my teens and I can't control who you meet and who your friends are, then I have to be better about my conflict resolution. What are your thoughts, sis? Um, I think you broke that down beautifully. I don't know. It's it's something that because I've been single for almost ten years, so I've really I've really worked on creating my boundaries and erecting my boundaries. But as somebody that is open to romantic experiences and that does want them, and as somebody that primarily dates um, cis men of color, well, in in this particular particular case just had black men I do often wonder about the experience um especially if I'm going to be integrated into their personal life if I'm if I'm asking for things in the universe oh I want this man that's ready to date me and that's ready to be with me I always wonder when I get it, how I'm going to react in that moment, how I'm going to feel at that moment. Because even though I am radical or even though I have my politic, I know, I'm also old enough to know that you have to pick your battles. And if I want this man that's healthy and has these other relationships, I have to figure out a way to configure myself into that. Um, I think about integrating myself into my man, my future man's family. I'm somebody, I don't have the best familial relationships and I'm trying to work on that, but I'm not really a family. I'm a more of a chosen family person, but I'm not really a blood family person. But I, I am aware that it's highly likely that I could be in a relationship with a man that is very family oriented. And 
I know that I have to develop that spirit of compromise. I mean, because what you're talking about is just learning how to compromise as a trans woman in how you and TA are compromised for each other. And that's something that even though I've developed how to um, create and enforce my boundaries, that some of that is going to have to change if I want to make a relationship work long term. And I know I'm going to be in situations where I'm only the only trans person in the room and just knowing how to navigate those situations. And also, it's one thing to tell a guy, well, you have to choose me above all, even if that means losing your family. But do we really think about what it means to be an emotional support for your partner um, as he's going through that? And, and just not saying, well, you're going to go through this and oh, well, like, yeah, he's a man, but he's still human. If, and if he's your partner, you got to have a little bit more compassion for him um, to love him through it because it is painful um, losing your family. It is painful thinking that somebody was your friend and then they find out this one thing about you and it's never a big confrontation, but they do passive aggressive stuff to show you that they really don't fuck with you. And it's hurtful. And then most men aren't going to tell you their feelings are hurt, but you can tell through their actions that they're um, really hurt. So I think this conversation and the beauty of me um, being friends and family with you and being able to um, see the ins and outs of your relationship, it, it's making me that when I do have my next romantic experiences that, you know, I'm going to have some growing to do I'm because I, I need to develop the skill I need to. And also the reality is like in my personal life, I don't really be around a whole lot of cis like I only deal with cis people like one at a time. But I know to be around a whole group of cis people for me as a trans person, that's a lot for me. Because I remember even in law school, it will be certain events that the like black professional groups have like outside of the school setting. And I was always the girl to be like, I have to take a rain check because for me to be around a lot of black cis folks and you know, a couple of them are cool, but they're inviting these group of people and then there's some men coming and I don't know how to men. Like, as a trans person, that's a lot. But I don't want that to disable me and because you don't want to miss out on opportunities. It's just unrealistic to think that you're going to be on this island by yourself and you're not going to have to put yourself in these environments. Like, you just, it's just something that you have to work through I think if you want a healthy and a long lasting um, relationship. And I just think that, especially in our community, because a lot of us haven't had a lot of like realistic long-term relationships, we kind of over romanticize it. And then once we get in the thick of it, we don't really have the tools or the skills that we need to be um, more empathetic and compassionate partners for um, these trans amorous men that really, they don't have all the tools that they need. So we're, so you're just learning through it together, but making mistakes. So if we can, or if you can through sharing some of your experiences can help people to understand like, okay, compromise or something that I, like I can be a trans woman and compromise. There's a difference between compromising and just being wholly submissive. You're not saying that don't feel the, the, you're not saying not to feel the discomfort. It's just like, well, you have to, you have to work through it because I remember when we were having our conversation, even if 
even if the friend or the friend of a friend is transphobic, this is still somebody they've known for 20 years before you came into the picture. So you just have to assess whether it's worth getting rid of that friend versus them being a little uncomfortable with the trans person in their life at first but then maybe they might warm up to it. So you can come back into the conversation. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. The spirit of the mind. But something that was the key that you told me is when you said you can tell that they've never been around a trans person before and they just gag. They're just just gagging. Gagging and and, and then they don't know how to react and and, and they don't know how to, and and they don't know, their eyes can't stop from searching you and they're wondering how, almost like, you can see the how did I get tricked, like the like the actual shock, and and and, and it's genuine. It's not staged, and it don't come from a place of hate. Like there are people that dead ass for real did not intend when they woke up that morning to have brunch with a transsexual. That was just never in their mind. They thought that they lived a world where I had a, that, that 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 did not exist for them. There are black people that live a certain level of privilege where they don't expect to see certain things and their social social circles. You know, my husband's social circles are doctor. My husband, he's a he's a scientist and he's in a social circle of doctors and scientists and other different professionals and engineers. Right. And then, and then y'all are in like the Elena Creme de la Creme Divine Nine, like that, that those type of circles. Right. You know, like there are times where, cause you know, I'm a member, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a donor and a member of the High Museum. And there are times where we're at one of our events there and like, we're, and, and we run into someone that, you know, that he may have known from, from a previous part of life or, and they did not intend to run into me and all of my grandeur and all of my fabulousness. But even, let me, let's keep it transparent. I'm not walking around necessarily 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 being clocked like that but just like any other any other any other juice this is some tea for people this is exciting tea this is exciting tea most of the time my business has been told to the entire everybody on the guest list before i arrive and a lot of my friends that think they're allies do that because they say they're creating a safe space for me but you're really creating a very unsafe space for me because now before anyone can get to know my name you've told them the most important part about my about me i mean the most private part about me excuse me you told them the one of the most private parts about me what you don't realize is is that particularly if you have a trans friend and they're talking to you about their their transition and they're open with you you're in a sacred place of trust because in their regular life that information is deadly and when you take it upon yourself to take the take the narrative away from the person and tell their identity for them and pr- pr- call yourself pre-preparing a group of people, what you're actually doing is, in my opinion, being a selfish asshole that wants to run with the story and wants to somehow, because you don't believe and you don't trust me and you don't believe, and this is how I get offended, because I have people that know that I am all that they know what kind of communicator I am. They know what kind of person I am. They know that I'm an educator. And anybody listening to this podcast knows I don't, I can speak for myself. But I have friends that think that they're helping by doing that to me. 
And that puts me and other people in a situation where there's a problem. Now, I won't name names, but I will talk about a recent situation involving, so when we talked, when Brianna and I had this conversation, that uh, we, we talked about how, what does it look like when there's somebody in your life that is very, very much a support person to your partner, but then you discover, or through some type of shady encounter, you now feel weird about that person. And it's not necessarily their fault, but you've been put in a situation. Here's an example. So my husband has friends, you know, and some of the friends he meets at work, some of them he meets in different places in life, but he has friends. And this one friend was a tertiary friend that was like a good homeboy. He came to our wedding. Um, I, um, he was engaged and, and that engagement didn't work out, but I was all the way to the rehearsal dinners. I was helping and being a part of their, their situation. This, these were, these was, this is a guy who, when he has a girlfriend, Tierra and I are his, the double date. We double date with them. He is cool. I believe he is very cool. I don't, I don't feel nothing for him, nothing from him shady. But here's this. There's a text message thread. There's a group thread, a group thread that couples are on. But you know how like there's the couple thread and then there's like, there's a couple thread and you know, these threads also will get you in trouble. So the moral of the story also, if you're gonna be transphobic, do it in a direct message. Be careful that you're not sending it in the group with the people that you're talking about. So somebody in the larger group thread, now you know how when you have those threads on your phone, everybody's not locked into your phone. So you don't know what number is necessarily saying what. And most people try not to respond much on those threads because we know people get tired of getting a million of notifications. <laughs> so they were. We, there was an event that was trying to be planned and my husband, it was like a, a, a game night or a hang night with his friend. This particular friend, we are known for that. We play games, but then we used to go over to his house to play games. My, my husband and him do poker stuff together and they have like guy poker thing. I don't know what they were planning, but they hanged. So we, 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 we you know, we're in a thread and somebody in the thread posts, a screenshot of Tierra's message where he was like, yeah, man, can't wait. And you know, we gonna hang out, da, 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 da. Screenshotted Tierra's message and probably thought he was sending it in an individual message, but put it in that same thread and said, is this the, is this the, the TS lover? Is this the tranny lover? Yeah, yeah, is this the TS lover? And my husband was like, oh, wow, really? Tell me how you really feel. And his friend and some other people jumped in and tried to like change the subject in the in the group thread and try to change the subject. And somebody made it a joke. Yeah, we all love tequila shots because it's the TS tequila shots. Ha 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 ha. They tried to joke it off. Now I understand that as a larger group of allies around my husband and I, I don't expect people to like war for us. But what particularly irritated my husband and me and was kind of painful was the guy whose actual thread it was, who is the link that linked us all together, is someone that came to our wedding, someone who we always hung out with, someone who I consider a very close friend, somebody who we thought in that situation, even if he didn't address anything on that thread, because that wasn't been inappropriate, he would have at least come to tear and be like, my bad, man, I no disrespect to y'all. 
Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, no disrespect to y'all. Like, that ain't me. Like, I, I don't know. Because ultimately now, Tierra's having a... Cause how much do I make this a thing? Right? Like, how much do I make this a thing? How much do I address this slur almost towards my wife and get, but get into it with my homeboy who may not have the tools, right? To be the best ally or may not, or may like felt like it was awkward and just wanted to not move on and doesn't want to address it. But there are hurt feelings on our end because nigga, we considered you supporter. The, but me, me, I'm, I'm, a, I burn bridges to the ground and they burn. I don't mind. I'm, I can, I, I don't mind. Part of being trans is I, I'm used to people. I'm used to walking away from motherfuckers. And it just is what it is. So for me, if this were any, if, if, if this were my people, it wouldn't be a problem to just stop speaking to the entire text message thread and block everyone so that this will never happen again. Cause bitch, I'm just that petty. But because this is my husband's friends, I'm now encouraging him to keep dialogue with his friends and let's talk through this. Because while I have no real emotional connection and I feel like, fuck it, that is a part of his support system that he needs. And if I were being selfish, I could, and my husband would not mind not speaking to him again, just to make me feel comfortable. So we not in that circle of people because we don't know who actually said the shade, right? So I could literally go into this whole group of circle of friends and people and have this grudge towards the whole group and never want to be around these stiff folk again because I feel like they all read me in a group of 10 or 10 or more people. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to be cool. And he's going to be cool with his friends. And we're going to push beyond it because what I understand is that everybody has to go through a transition. And I am prepared as a support to my spouse to allow his people to go through a transition. And that's something radical that we don't really hear people talking about is the levels of compromise that you have to have with the coworker at the, at the Christmas party that may say something that is a little odd and I could go, bitch, what the fuck you mean? But how would that then affect my husband who in this time where the company could be going through a downside and may want to keep his job. So do I act up with this bitch who is actually a supervisor? Or do I keep my mouth shut and respectfully remove myself from the situation? These are the things that no one tells you about. There are so many Thanksgivings and Christmases that I could have turned out. These are the things that nobody tells you about that you must, that, that are a part, a real part of relationships that affect it. What do you do when your partner's family for years decides, I don't want to speak to neither one of y'all? And, and how do you deal with that pain and that inevitable resentment that y'all are both going to have to have talked through? Because he can't talk to his mama because of you. And it's not your fault, but inevitably that is a pain, a trauma that has occurred because of a relationship. And we talk often as women about the things that we have lost in our lives. And we also need to be sensitive that they are losing and they could potentially lose a lot as well. But even the relationships that do work may always be awkward. 
because there are going to be people that will make an exception for Samaya that will still hate trans people. And I will be in situations where I'm having to hold my tongue now to keep from ruining this child's birthday party. You know what I'm saying? For one of his friends that are very important to him and some other nigga talking out the side of his neck. And I could really go in because he's talking about trans people and he didn't clock me. You see what I'm saying? But how much do I even engage in somebody else's house at a friend of a friend of a friend's house? You see what I'm saying? Like, you got to be. And, and so these are all real situations. And as trans people, we've learned to navigate in life and have tough skin. And in relationships, you come very vulnerable and open. And the people around them, you, you, you want to make the mandate that everybody around your partner has to love you. But that don't, it's not, that's not realistic. You're going to have friends that ain't going to like your man. And I'm not saying they're going to hate your man. No one should have a problem with your partner and call themselves your friend. But there are going to be people that aren't going to be your man's friend. or there, And there are going to be people that are not going to be, you're not going to be, his, 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 they're going to be his friend that are not your friend. And that is what it is. Another dynamic is female relationships. My husband has, because he went to, because he, you know, was in a frat situation and because he went to a, a, a school in Florida that has a very, very strong alumni situation, my husband has female friends. My husband has female friends that are trans, that are not my friends. And when I said I wanted a man that was cool with trans people, that was down with community, I didn't necessarily think about the reality that this nigga would have a bunch of friends that are friends to him, that were a part of his support team before I got there, that help him, maybe have helped him be the man that I fell in love with, that they may even have a past with, but that are his friends. Am I really going to be the kind of woman that says, I don't want my man to be around anybody and think that that's not controlling as, as just as controlling as if he said that to me. He can't control who my friends are. He can't say that my gay son can't come over and, and chill with me on the couch. He can't say, that, I would never let him say that. So then I can't say that he can't have friends because of who they are or what they look like. That is just as hypocritical and shady and, and controlling and toxic. And so I also had to endure that in long-term relationships, I'm also enduring, I'm also realizing that he will make a female friend. He has a really good friend, co-worker that, G, that he just now started working with and they are cool. And I don't know the lady, but and she got a husband. And they cool. I mean, cool, like, like inside joke laughing cool. And that's not something I thought I would have. But if I were insecure, I could I could really make that a thing. Like, well, you, you I mean, why are you laughing with her? You can't laugh with me. Y'all laugh about shit I don't know about. But I don't because I understand that I don't want to exist in a toxic controlling environment. I don't want to exist in an environment where I make demands of my partner that I'm not willing to make on myself. So if I am in a situation where I want to have my partner be a whole, his whole self, I want to know all that. I don't want to have secret friends. I don't want to be the kind of girl where I go into his messenger to find out he knows somebody that I know. I want him to feel like he can tell me that. 
And I want him to know that I believe that just because you got a friend, you're not fucking them because you're, I trust you. But that takes a lot of radical self-love. And that took personal growth on my part. That That's not me. This is 10 years in, Samaya, telling you what I've learned. This is not not day one, Samaya, who was what the fuck is going on, you know? This is a 27-year-old Samaya. This is 37-year-old Samaya, about to turn 38. I've done a lot of growing, and the lesson that I've learned is, is that if you don't want to be controlled, you cannot control other people, and you can love your partner, and your partner can love you, but the world is still a fucked up place, and y'all have to together be at a place in communication where y'all do not let how other people react to what this beautiful thing we have is affect us. It cannot affect us, because at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, Everybody had to come around because even if you had a problem on year one, by year three, you even feel silly. By year seven, okay, girl, I'm carrying. Now at year 10. <laughs> <laughs> like now at year 10, you had to come around. And now everybody, every single person for the most part that was an issue in our life, they've either fallen apart falling away and, and, and we good riddance to bad news. But, but, but the people in our lives that we love that had a problem, eventually love does win. And I'm a living witness. I'm talking about like complete incommunicado and now they love me. There are people that would not even look me in the eye when they first met me because they just thought it was going to rub off on them like cooties. And now they hug me the longest and the deepest and I'm invited and I'm included in family and I'm included in the gathering and people are mad when somebody don't show up. But it took me being angry, arguing with him on the way home from a cookout. Why you didn't cuss them people out? It took us going through that crazy shit for me to get to the place that I realized he is doing the best he can to navigate with people that he loves and has loved and known who his entire life, these are people that are part of his identity. And I'm trying to be a part of that, just like I want him to be a part of me. So I had to pump the brakes, but you are watching any uh, evolution of a person. So I'm saying all this, and I'm not saying this from this like, then I'm aware, bitch, I turned the fuck up quite a few times in times where I probably did not need to and probably stressed him out about situations and niggas that's still in our life to this day, cause they not going nowhere. The point that I'm telling you is, is you got to get to the place where you are okay taking your partner with what comes with them. And we can together decide what work and what don't, but we got to be acknowledging everything that comes with that person. I don't want lies. That is where the root is. If you have somebody that can't feel like they can't trust all of themselves with you, I want to know that homegirl that used to you used to talk to at night that used to that you they used to talk to at night to go to sleep. Y'all used to never have sex, but y'all like the same music. I want to know that bitch. I need to know her. I don't want her to be a secret, and I want her to know that I appreciate that you were my man supporter because I've been somebody else's support, bitch. Okay, and I still have wonderful, wonderful male relationships with people that I've known before my husband. And that's cool, but we we are evolution and we grew to this place, but you gotta get to that place where you have to be real. Am I gonna continue to be mad at you 
for not falling this is this perfect lie that everyone told me that a relationship was supposed to look like no because why i'm lying too i'm not being my real authentic self with you either because there are people in my life i don't want to talk to you about so let's have a conversation where we're being real and then now there's no surprises now i know how you really move now I know the, the, the dynamics that are going on. And then if, thing, if, if something does happen and there's an accident or a slip up or something goes down, I at least feel informed enough that I understood how that could have happened. But if, this, if, 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 if it's a bitch that I ain't never known, you knew, now it's a whole nother conversation. Because now I feel like we don't have the level of communication I thought we had. So in general, I think communication with partners is important. And we talked about that in previous episodes. But you got to learn how to navigate the circle. Girl, I I think you um said everything. I don't have nothing to add. I'm I'm sitting learning, I'm absorbing, um, keeping in mind how to compromise. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't want to be so rigid that I can't um that I'm not that I'm alienating somebody or I'm making somebody feel like um, I'm oppressing them, right? Um, but no, I I I think I think you explained the the message beautifully. I thank you for being vulnerable and sharing because I know you are very protective of your marriage and you're very protective of your relationship. So I thank you for sharing with the people and just giving the people a dose of reality. Like it's, it's good to want a relationship and to, you know, put it on your Instagram. And, but are you really ready to do the level of work to make it work, to make it last, mm-hmm. to be in the real world? Cause it, like, you, like you're going to end, even in my professional career where I'm, I'm meeting people, it's sometimes I'm gonna go off and if you transphobic, if you being wrong. But I ha- again, you have to learn how to pick and choose your battles. I can't go off on the 50th floor of the law firm at the Christmas party. I can't do that. Right. I can't do that. I just gotta walk away to the other side and walk because it has to be a level of decorum because you don't want to be the girlfriend that we can't bring you to mixed company and public places because you're gonna turn it out. Like I want to add this one last nugget too. You got to get over your own. Let me tell you this, ladies. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you how you really be a gangster woman in a relationship. You got to go in the room assuming that everyone already knows your tea. That was the freedom for me. Because then when I, if I assume, and this is for the girls, and I'm not, a, I, and this is because what we would, for those of us that can play in the art of being real, you can let that, that that realness that's a strategy on the bus for survival is going to be the thing that is going to be the the rope that because I don't give people rope to hang me if that makes sense what what it works for you on the bus which is your your ability to pass and your ability to be you know to be demure sit back and be 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 kind of when you go in into public situations with your man no I find that I walk in with the confidence of my full transsexual goddess. When I walk in the fullness and it's not the, are they clocking me? 
they have no choice but to bow before the queen. You better remember that as trans people, y'all, we got something special about us. And it's only when we diminish our light that the peasants feel like they can intrude. Baby, particularly in social situations, particularly when you're around people that do care about your man, they do care about him. So they are trying, at least in some way, to not say to, to their best to keep it from him. But what I find is that when I walk in my fullness and there is no tea, but when you do bring up my tea, there's not a flinch. There's not a, why would you bring that up? There's not a, I don't want, there's a casual, there's a yes and, and I don't want to talk about that right now. And we can move on. Can I ask you a question? I don't answer no personal questions. That's, for those of you who know somebody, you know, that's my thing. Can I ask For free at least. No, listen, I don't answer, you know why, particularly for that question, I don't answer, can I ask you a personal question? When people ask me, can I ask you a personal question? You're already telling me, you know, right now, you do not have the, the relationship with me, the respect with me, the trust with me to ask me what you're about to ask me. And you're trying to cover up for the fact that you want to ask me something that's going to be too personal and offensive with that term. So that's already a trigger for me. Can I ask you a personal question? No, I don't answer a personal question. Because people who know me, people who are close enough to me, they don't have to preface it. They just can be like Samaya. Because if we're on that level, you could just ask me. That's real. Respect your own relationship boundaries when you're in, 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 in encounters with people. Respect your own relationship boundaries. Have fast and hard boundaries. People can't grill you on shit you ain't answering. Back to the state, girl. Isn't it good? <laughs> Okay, back That's to like the when y'all get married. Why do you really need, need to know that in order to get into this conversation with me? Huh? It's like, why do you need to really know that intimate information in order for you to get into that? Are you planning on having sex with me tonight, sis? Well, very that. And then the, so do you have your surgery? My anger, I'm the girl that gagged you immediately. What does your pussy look like? And they'd be like, what? You just asked me about what's between my legs. So I just asked you about your pussy. You see how that, you see how, and they'd be like, oh, I wasn't trying to, oh yeah, cause it offended you. Well, I just want you to know, you just asked me about my pussy. What the fuck? I don't know. You like, that is sexual harassment in the highest form. Like beyond the trans conversation, like y'all gotta hold your boundaries. My trans mother, God bless her soul told me you never let you never you never let a motherfucker feel comfortable enough to make you feel uncomfortable. Just in that order. You never let a motherfucker make you feel you never you never let a motherfucker feel comfortable enough with you to make you feel uncomfortable. And that's how I carry myself. I carry myself in such a way where people don't even feel comfortable to make me feel uncomfortable. And that's not being aggressive. That's not being but it is learning how to control the flow of a conversation and knowing how to stop things cold. And a lot of us have mastered that, but don't be afraid to shut down his Nana or to shut down somebody else or to, don't be afraid to do that. Yeah, but do that, but you, you can, again, once you master the power, you can do it in a way that doesn't make a scene. Like you wanna yeah. flip it back on them to just make them feel, make them feel really like the for even going there. 
And when, and when you really become a master at your own pussy, you know how to check somebody to where they want to continue to engage. They don't want to do that. They, to where they know they wasn't, you can check somebody in a way to where not only do you address it, but you know that you've made it to where I can come back to the situation and me and this person, we could be okay. That is when you really mastered it. Cause there's times where I've had to check people and baby, after we, I checked them, they became some of the most wonderful, wonderful friends in the world, not even being funny. And it was because they were probably operating under assumption. It was because they, they saw on the housewives or on TV, what they see the gays act like. And so they came at me with a, you know, they made like a, an assumption about how, what kind of my personality would be. And I've had to check people. And when you check people sometimes and you do it in a loving way, it helps them realize that they have to evolve. And I've had people that were my friend and that in the beginning we had an awkwardness and later they came back and told me how they had been mortified all this time because now that they've been around me, they realized how stupid that sounded. And they're like, oh my God, I can't, you know. But I allowed that moment to happen and I allowed it to affect me and I addressed it. But, and I can, but I did not let it, I did not hold the grudge because I was aware that this wasn't a situation where I could just say, fuck you, bitch, and walk out. Yeah, girl, you can't, you can't, you can't light it on fire every time because then that's how they'll control the narrative. Oh, she's difficult or you can't. And it's just like, no, girl, you still, you got, I'm still trying to work on how to, to hold them accountable, but still leaving room to repair the relationship. I think I'm much better at it today than I was maybe a year or two ago, but that's something I'm still mastering because I'm the type of person, I'm going to to ask the cross-examination question that's just going to shut everything down because I'm going to be the girl that's like, you know that if we were in a work situation, that that question you asked me would constitute sexual harassment. Like, I'm very that type of Sagittarius dead and they're like, no, no, so, I'm, you know, I'm working, but I love getting a bitch together because once you ask them them clarifying questions, like, do you really know what you're asking? Like, let me give you a different perspective. Do you know that it can be this and there? That's when they come together. But um, it's a skill. It's a skill. It's a skill. It is a skill. And it's also, and I feel like it's also to be in a, to be in places where you are confronted with something that makes you triggered and not letting that trigger and that's still being triggered because your trigger don't change, but learning how to maneuver through the trigger and learning how to like understand what, what happened and then identifying it to your partner. So here's also a part of a thing that I, and this is, I know something that I know has probably broken up relationships because I was confused in the beginning too. You take for granted that your partner understands shade like how we understand it because they're still cis at the end of the day and they're not catching it so there's a lot of times excuse me there's a lot of times where there's shade that is being thrown in a situation and because he's had to never navigate he he, he doesn't have to think about that in his life he doesn't realize this was what he, what they did was just weird to you, and I didn't catch that till just now. You know what I'm saying? Just remember 
that you, part of being with your partner and telling them about your life is also telling them about your triggers and being real about them, but also telling them about what you need from them as an ally. So I realized I would have to pre-prepare my husband for certain moments. Like, okay, so when we go to these people's house, I don't think she features me. So you and him don't need to break off and leave me with just her. Okay? Because he... And I... I had to learn to communicate that because there were times where I would be frustrated and angry about wanting to go hang with people because I just was afraid to tell him that just to share or not even afraid, but didn't know how to be vulnerable. Like as a trans person, another thing is, is we're not used to telling people when we're shook about something, particularly related to our teeth, right? Especially your man, you kind of shelter him naturally from all of your insecurities around who you think could not like you. But particularly when you're in social search settings, I find that I can't assume and I, it is very healthy for me to let him know, hey, this is some tea. Or don't leave me in the room with him because he is some tea, okay? For real. There are times where it's a nigga that may be a friend to friend circle and clearly I, I, this could go completely wrong. He giving me the eye. His wife see me get him giving me the eye. Now it's you know it's the it's the thing now, bitch. Like it's it's a problem. And now she because they automatically assume. Oh, so y'all, girl, listen. I have been in some situations. The point that I'm trying to say is, you got to prepare your dude in advance and be real about how you feeling and how you how things went down. Because as you'll be surprised, sometimes ladies we will be so mad at our man for like. You ain't even, you ain't even stood up for me. You ain't even this. And you're mad, assuming that he understands why you're mad and why he should have stood up for you. When sometimes for my husband, it was, he didn't even know he needed to stand up for me until I explained, do you see how? And he was like, oh shit, baby. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I feel bad. I didn't even know that's what that, what, what was happening. Like, because there's a way in which we are used to identifying the, the subtext of oppression, the subtext of marginalization, the subtext of, of hatred. We, we know what it feels like. We can smell it. But for somebody that ain't necessarily used to the smell of hatred, it can actually smell like roses. And my husband, sometimes I've had to empower him by giving him the information on why certain things are shady. Because he didn't understand why one of his friends are not telling everybody before I got there I was trans and I'm going so you're Samaya oh this is Samaya like he didn't my husband didn't necessarily get why that was bad at first right mm -hmm. so I had to explain and now he is one of the biggest advocates for people in situations you don't tell another trans woman's truth you don't speak under a woman's skirt you don't do like my husband's very like You'll check on the motherfucker real strong about that now, but it's because we've been in situations where people, and then I've had to communicate with allies. So then I've had to then pull allies to the side and say, hey, what happened today can never happen again. And I'll see you next time. I really had a great time. Other than that, I had a great time. <laughs> it was the most mortifying experience in my adult life. But other than that, I had a great time. And still came back the next time, knowing these people had probably had a key and a phone tree conversation about me, but knowing that I'm still sitting and my husband is still your friend and I'm still here and I still come with love and I come in peace. Baby, listen, I have had people 
who have come and, and the gag is usually when you when you handle the situation right the people who had a problem for, with you will come back and apologize for shit that they didn't even tell you they said that happens to me all the time hey, i have, have had that happen for me a lot and i'm like what are you apologizing for but you must have really been reading me behind the scenes because i <laughs> girl because i was oh, really, Right, it was just like you know what I really, really like you. I really, really, I'm oh my god, like I I just want you to know, like, you are a really beautiful person and don't let nobody say nothing bad of like don't let nobody and I and no and and before I met you, I would have never thought that you would have been so cool and you and I am so sorry for the people that hate on you. And I'm like, girl, you must have completely air me <laughs> right yeah that's that's <laughs> people i didn't even know was reading me but oh yes. I, I, it, it is it is what it is but i i think we did an episode so i'm gonna let you lead us out of here and i'm sure you want to thank your husband again and of course of course of course shout out to t air i love you very very much darling thank you thank you thank you for your confidence and your trust of me. And I think this will be a wonderful episode that has spared all of the victims, no, all of the guilty. (laughs) It has spared all of the guilty. Um, And I feel like, you know, baby, what I've learned from being in this relationship with you is it's a journey. It's not, and it's a marathon, not a sprint. And we gonna ride it out together. And all of the wonderful, relationships that we have now with people that once were not as supportive are a testimony. And it's because of your strength and your ability to stand in an uncomfortable place, even if it meant people didn't speak to you, that we're still together today. So I want to give a big shout out to my husband. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being that nigga, because it it ain't about being flashy. Sometimes being that nigga means being firm on what the fuck you believe and who you love. And he has always been that for me, and I'm grateful. Um, This has been another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. I am the Lioness. And I am Aeon. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. And don't forget to become a patron on the Box Number 512 Patreon page, where we have all new, exclusive content. And also, don't forget to follow us on our social media, on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. And also, become a subscriber on our YouTube page. Until next time, bye. Bye.